Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اجْتَنِبُوا كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الظَّنِّ إِنَّ بَعْضَ الظَّنِّ إِثْمٍ O you who believe, avoid much, avoid acting on much, avoid acting on the majority of your suspicions. Indeed, some suspicions are sinful. What does this mean? It means that we naturally always suspect. That's normal. We're always judging people inside. You know when they say don't judge others? We say yeah, it means don't act on the judgment without proof and clear evidence. But everybody naturally, biologically, involuntarily judges inside their brain. Allah subhanahu wa is not telling you don't assume. He's telling you the assumptions that you naturally have that normally come to you, avoid acting on the majority of them. Because Allah is saying the majority of people, their assumptions about someone else, the majority of their assumptions are often wrong. So don't jump to conclusions then act on them. Acting on your assumptions. So what do you do? Allah says, first of all, if what you are assuming about the person, is what the scholars tell us in tafsir, what you are assu- and from the seerah we understand this, if you already, what you are assuming about the person it has no grounds, has no rationale, or it's not serious, ignore it. Don't go acting on it. Don't go hating, don't go judging and accusing and calling names and all that stuff. Don't act on it. And continue to have good assumptions about people who are known to be generally good. I have my brother over here who is often, I see him in the masjid, he's normally good, he's normally honest, he trades with people with a nice face, people like him, has a good reputation, there's nothing tremendous about him. And then I see him, for example, go outside of the masjid and then he takes the shoes of someone else. Goes and takes someone else's shoes. Now, the shaitan will come to me and I'll assume that person, oh my God, I knew these people who come to the masjid. I'll uh, be afraid of them. These guys, they're disguised in sheep's um, wool, sheep's clothing. Look at him, he went and took someone else's shoes. He stole. They do tell me about shoes and masjids. Everyone steals their shoes. This is the assumption that will go to my head, right? Not me, but it can happen. Is that rational? To accuse him of stealing? Ah, it could be that he's stealing, but it also could be that he made a mistake. Half-half. In that situation, avoid that suspicion. Now I'm going to give you four instances of suspicions that ones we act upon, those we don't. There is suspicion and judgment that is necessary, such as if you're a judge, if you're an authority, um, you're a person who needs to settle and judge between people because you're in, in a position of authority and justice. You must find out and then you can base assumptions and start to verify assumptions and go through them. The next one is when you're dealing with somebody and by dealing with that person you're going to be harmed if you don't verify your assumption. So the person you're going to be harmed, such as you're dealing with them with money or something like that and some of their actions have made you, have given you a cause to assume that they probably could lie to you or cheat you. In any interaction, whether it's marriage, whether it's um, business, 
whether it's trade, job, going on a travel, anything. Then you can act upon it by what? By verifying and finding out if you can trust that person, right? The third one is when the assumption is half-half. It can go this way or go that way. Like the example I gave you about the person take, taking the shoes. You can go this way or you can go that way. I'll give you another example which can go this way or that way. Let's say um, your daughter suddenly starts to stay in her room more often than usual. Or your son. Now, you've got an assumption in your head naturally. You're a bit scared for her or him. What are they doing? Is she talking to boys? Is he looking at things he shouldn't look at? Has she got some kind of boyfriend? Has he got a girlfriend? Is he doing drugs? If you've got no rationale, if this, you've got no grounds to think like that, then that assumption, don't act on it. Because it can go the other way too. Maybe it's just they've reached puberty, they've got exams, something's going on in their life, they're a bit sad, maybe they're upset, maybe they just feel like they need their privacy, maybe they're changing and developing, they could be praying, they could be reading Qur'an, maybe they just want to sit down and have their privacy. So it can go either way. Don't act on that assumption. And go in and start accusing. You will lose your relationship with them. And the fourth scenario are people who are sick. Over time, because they were so untrusting of people, they begin to develop an obsessive compulsive disorder where they assume about everyone and everything. I'll give you an example. They're the types that when they get married, let's say the, the wife suddenly decides to look nicer at home, go to the gym and get a bit more fit, dresses a bit nicer. And the husband is one of those obsessive people and starts thinking, hmm, is she cheating? Why has she suddenly changed? Is she going out with someone? Starts bringing her phone, looking through it, spying, obsessively putting cameras, asking people. And the other way is true, sometimes the wife. Why is my husband smelling nice lately? He went out to Meyer and bought a new cologne. I've never, he's never put this cologne on. What's going on? He's getting a new haircut. He's dyed his hair. What's going on? I've never seen this before. Is he cheating? Has he got another woman? Let me look at his phone. Let me get a friend to go and spy on him. Let me go on his internet. I'll try and steal his account and his passwords and everything. Any of these scenarios. These people, the shaitan comes to you and you're acting upon assumptions that really have no real basis. These are just insecurities. How do you deal with them? Communicate. Talk. Talk and don't be ridiculing. Don't use sarcasm. Just talk. Communicate. There are many other ways instead of acting upon assumptions. Now listen to what Allah says next. He says, Immediately after talking about don't assume wrongfully or don't act upon wrongful assumptions, Allah then says do not spy. Does anyone know why Allah says do not spy? Immediately after saying do not make false assumptions. Because the cause of spying is false assumptions. Assumptions are the, are the main issue and the problem for people to spy.
to spy on their kids, to spy on their parents, to spy on their spouses, to spy on their colleagues, to spy on their workers, their employees, to spy on their neighbour, to spy on everything. These people are based on assumptions. I assume they're up to something. They're going to get me. Ah, they're doing crime. I assume they're smoking around the corner. So then the shaitan says, spy on them. What is spying? Allah says, do not spy. Tajassus means to secretly, secretly seek something private about the person through ways without their permission. To privately and secret, to secretly seek to know private information about that person without their permission. You grab their phone, you grab their gadgets, their, their um, what's the word for gadgets? Their, their, huh? Their tablet or their, the whole thing, what's it called? Big word. <laughs> Devices. It's not even a big word. Devices. And you look through it or you start setting up cameras. You start, and the other way of spying is called tahassasu. Tahassasu means to pry, to pry, to ask questions, to ask other people, to um, act like you're making a cup of coffee, but you've gone in just to eavesdrop, these types of things. So both of them are a type of spying in the Quran, which Allah subhanahu wa tells us not. Sometimes you can do tahassus, you can pry for a good reason. Like the way Yaqub said to his children, go and do tahassus for your brother Yusuf and your brother and your other brother and, and do not give up on Allah's mercy. <coughs> this is a good thing. So to go and find out and inquire to find a lost person or to inquire for good, that's, good, that's okay. But to uh, pry on people's private lives without their permission for, for bad or to spy on people. Spying usually means to find out something bad about a person, to find out about their flaws. And usually these are insecurities as well and fears. So, tajassus is haram in Islam, except in some ways. The only way it's halal is for national security. National security and authorities need to spy in order to protect you know, their people. Uh, and, and spying is by authorities. Or, in the third situation, is when there is a real, a real and well-founded reason that someone is going to seriously harm someone else, going to seriously cause abuse to someone else. You know, someone, for example, is out to get someone, so you send someone to spy, to stop the killing, for example, or to stop, you know, like sexual abuse, or to stop theft and stealing from someone. These are, these are very exceptional cases. Otherwise, in general, we don't spy. Don't spy on your wives. Don't spy on your husbands. Don't spy on your children. Don't spy on your parents. Don't spy on your teachers or your students. Don't spy on your work colleagues. Don't spy on your neighbor, especially your neighbor. Don't spy on anybody. All of it is haram, my brothers and sisters, based on doubts that a person has. Doubts without rationale, doubts without real grounds, is from the shaitan. Don't act upon them. I have seen many, many couples over a text message that they saw break up a whole family. He's cheating. She's cheating. How do you know? No, they are. That's it. It's all over. I've seen people, their children become homeless and wrecked because of spying on the phone. Brothers and sisters, spying is not the means to a good end. So what do we do? Use other methods if you have reason to suspect something bad. 
You can investigate, you can communicate, you can ask, you can talk. I'll give you an example. Say that husbands or that wife, both ways. They've, they, you suspect that they're talking to someone, heck, because they just talk a lot on their phone, so you think I suspect they're cheating on me. Alright, can't they get another phone or another number? Can't they hide it? If you found out, can't they delete it? Or use some other excuses and lie? And then meet up with them or talk to them in another way? Of course they can. Spying is not the solution. Don't do something wrong because of a, to find out something that is wrong. It's not going to be a means. Now I know a lot of people are going to ask a lot of questions about this, probably put a lot of comments. But this, but what if this? One person said, but I should know because that'll save me 10 years of staying with her or with him. You know, I might as well find out now. But you don't have grounds, you're suspecting. So you go and spy, what if you don't find anything enough? What if he lies? You're going to keep going. You know what happens to these types of people? Most often, most often, most often people who spy end up becoming mentally ill. Something, they just can't get rid of it. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, I have decades, maybe 20 years, of people coming to me with their problems, not just marriages, families, friends, and many of them results of spying and suspecting. So I'm not talking from just my head. I'm talking through experience of years, brothers and sisters, in our community, the reality. Spying has never led to anything good. In only very rare cases, it fluked it. And I don't want to give you stories now because we may have people in the community who are listening online or who may be here who may think that I'm pointing at them, but I'm not. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, that if somebody is cheating on you, somebody's doing something wrong, Allah be patient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring it to you. You will know one way or another. It can't always be hidden. If it's that serious, it cannot always be hidden. And if they repent, and I ask Allah to forgive them, and they change, alhamdulillah, keep, keep going. Sometimes you suspect your children. Don't spy on their phones. Don't spy on their private things, unless they're really small. If a child hasn't reached puberty, a parent has a responsibility to make sure that they're not looking at anything bad, security and all that. You can't take the phone and look at it. It's not called spying. But a teenager, a person who's growing up, give them their dignity. Unless there is a reason for you to suspect. There has to be a grounded reason. Something showed up. Someone came to you. But the best way to do it is communicate with them, brothers and sisters, because that's the easy way of losing your relationship with your own children or with your siblings. Yani hatta the Prophet وسلم, in the hadith of Ifq in Surah Bara'atu Min Allah, when, when, when the accusation of Aisha radiallahu anha came about, and they said that, God forbid, she committed adultery with Safwan, and uh, then uh, some companions even started to believe and spread the news. And they're God fearing, but it got so bad. Rasul did not spy on Aisha radiallahu anha. He did not spy once, but he communicated with her. She asked to leave and sit with. At her parents' house, says, I'll give you permission, you can go if you want to. And then he went there and uh, said to her, Ya Aisha, if you have done anything, then ask Allah to forgive you. Allah forgives if a person um, admits their fault. And she said, what have I done? I only complained to Allah, as Yaqub complained to Allah. And she went, left him and went and cried until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the verse. But the point is, brothers and sisters, spying is not, is the, yani, really, 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 really does it bring out any good. 
And lastly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا يَغْتَبْ بَعْضُكُمْ and do not backbite and gossip about one another. Would one of you enjoy eating the flesh of their brother and sister while they're dead, they're eating their corpse? Nay, Allah says, fear Allah, for Allah accepts you to return to him and he is the forgiver. Meaning, ask Allah to forgive you from these habits and turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fix your ways. Backbiting, brothers and sisters, is to say something about your brother or sister behind their back or when they are not present, something that they would dislike you to say. I repeat, gossip and backbiting in Islam means to say something about your brother and sister in their absence which they do not like you to say. If you're not sure if they like it or not, don't say it at all. Saying something good about them is okay, so long as they don't mind, especially if they're a friend of yours and you know them. If they give you permission to say something minor, bad about them, let's say you're really, really close friends and it's for a laugh, you can do it with their permission, but don't make it a habit. Uh, backbiting, even the person who listens on to the backbiting actively is part of the backbiting. So the one who says it and the one who actively listens and doesn't try to stop them or move away. If you can't stop them, move away from there. If you've backbit someone and gossiped about them, go and apologize. If you cannot apologize, go back to the group you gossip and tell them, boys and girls, I take it back. If you wrote it, go and delete it. If you said something bad and their reputation is ruined because of your backbiting, go and try to fix it. Make it up to them. Do something. If there are people you don't remember who you backbit, because we're all falling into it, we're probably backbitten a billion times in our lives. Can't remember who people we've eaten in their flesh, mashallah. So how about we make dua for all the Muslims, brothers and sisters. If we can remember them, make a sadaqah on their behalf. Make a dua on their behalf. And change your ways. And if you know who you backbit and you can't do anything about it, go and talk good about them. So there are many ways that you can fix the gossip and the backbiting, my brothers and sisters. But you do know backbiting gossip does cause a lot of problems in our society and community in families and, and in every way. So these are the six ways that gossiping is not considered backbiting. Here's talking about someone. Number one is when you know that someone is going to be harmed by someone else. And you warn them about it and say, listen, that person does this or that. That's one way to save your friend or to save someone from harm or corruption. Number two, marriage. Someone comes here to ask you about someone you may know for marriage, what are they like? And you say something bad about them, but you have to say something good about them as well. That's not considered backbiting because you're helping a person to get married and to know the person. Number three, business transaction. You're going to enter, enter into a partnership deal with someone, you're going to open a business together, or you're going to deal with money, lending, borrowing, contract agreements, and someone comes to you Asking about that person in secret, say, hey, do you know so-and-so, are they trustworthy, are they honest, did they pay back the money, do you know if they've ever done business before, did they cheat anyone, are they trustworthy, and you say, well, uh, look, I know them to be trustworthy, but I do know that one time they borrowed money and they just didn't pay it back, so just be careful. That's a form of backbiting gossip, but it's a halal way, because... You're, it's, it's genuine, it's serious, and it's very private, and you're warning a brother because he's seriously going into a deal with them. And you have to be honest and sure about it. Number four is um, identity. Sometimes you may forget someone's name, and the only way you can say, and it's important to say, so you know that person, that beautiful person, that lovely person, which one? That person with such and such features. And those features may not be very pleasant to say about people, but you are genuinely and seriously trying to identify the person for something, for a good reason. Say, hey, you know, there's this really good brother you can ask about that business. 
um, concept, but I just forgot his name. You know the one with the bald head, for example. You know the one with whatever. And then you say to yourself, well, I shouldn't have said that, but that's the only thing I could remember. But if there's some feature that you shouldn't say, but you have to say it for that reason. And number five, complaint to authority. So someone's taken your right and you need your right back, you can talk about how that person has wronged you. I remember one person here wouldn't pay the money back to another person back in the days. And here, he stood up, he stood up here in front of all the people praying. And he said, so-and-so borrowed from me money. I've been waiting for a year. And he said, it's going to give me back to a month and I've got a family to feed. He said it in open. That's allowed. And another person came to me and said, that person owes me money, hasn't been paying it. That's backbiting, but it's halal backbiting because you're getting back your right. Or to authority, or to anybody to give back your right. That's allowed, alhamdulillah. And lastly, <coughs> fatwa. You want to ask a scholar, a sheikh, or a counselor, or some expert about how to deal with certain person. Let's say a person says, um, so-and-so, <coughs> yeah, sheikh, did this to me and did that to me. Is it halal for me to do this? So you've talked about the person in their absence, but it's for fatwa. So long as it's genuine, you don't have personal motives, then it's halal, inshallah. So these are the six ways. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, assist us and guide us to that which is better.